Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you, and most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. Conflict is everywhere, in our homes, at work, on social media feeds, but it's not necessarily bad. It's just something that we have to deal with as a part of our human experience. Today, I am bringing on a friend of mine who is also a divorce attorney, an author, a TEDx speaker, and she has written a book called The Secret to Getting Along. So we're going to do a deep dive into how to deal with conflict, how to deal with high conflict people, how to actually experience more peace and how to feel more connected to the important people in your life and approach your own mindset and framework around conflict. So this is such a great conversation because there are tools and strategies in it that anyone can use. Hey, Gabrielle, welcome. Hi, Renee. Great to be here. I, you know what, we did this a really long time ago. And when I first started my podcast, I was like sitting in my closet when we when I interviewed you. So I think it's really funny. Like now I upgraded and I'm actually sitting in an office. So <laughs> welcome back. Thank you so much. I know. I think it was like during COVID maybe. It was. Right. And I actually think you're the only guest I've ever had back twice. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, thank so, you. And well, I remember everybody has to write a second book and then they can come back. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's, and that's why we're here today because you have a book that just came out called The Secret to Getting Along and Why It's Easier Than You Think. You're a divorce attorney. That's how we connected. And I just thought this would be an amazing conversation to have about getting along, about conflict, resolving conflict and and all of the things. So let's start with, let's start with first giving us a high level overview of what your book is about and what inspired you to write it. Okay. So I'll start with your second question. During COVID, it was becoming even more clear how how polarized we are as a society, never mind within our families when we're when our family units are breaking down. So Better Apart was was my first book. And that was geared toward people moving through and beyond divorce so that they can do it in a more positive way, even when things were bad. But What I kept thinking about was that really all of our relationships are suffering and it doesn't have to be that way. We can prioritize peace. We can get along better even when we disagree. And it's not as difficult as we make it, as as we make it out to be in our minds. It's actually easier than we think. So, so on a high level, the goal of the secret to getting along is really to improve all of our relationships at home, at work, out in the world. It, it, the, the formula that I use, which is the yes method, is, um, you know, it's not intended to make all your relationships perfect. That's just not realistic. Like you might be dealing with an incredibly difficult person or a situation that's untenable or a person that's impossible to deal with, but you can still manage you. And when you manage you, then everything will start to shift. Even though, if, even though you cannot make somebody else act differently, they will respond and react differently when you start to change how you look at things and how you respond to things. Okay, so then let's pretend for a second. 
Uh, there's a really high conflict person. We deal with it all of the time, the time in the divorce practice. Are you, are, are you sitting back just not responding or letting them? Cause I'll, you know, you'll hear people be like, well, then you're being a doormat and letting them walk all over you. Like, is that what you're saying? Or are you talking about a proactive approach to dealing with them? So I'm talking about a major mind shift and how you look at it. So even if you're not responding, it's still a proactive choice to not respond. You are not being a doormat. You are being an active agent in your own life, in your own response system. So, so basically the secret to getting along has a deep dive in how to do this, but on a high level, there, there are, there are three things that you need to do that will help you to deal with even the most difficult people in your life. And it's the yes method. The Y stands for your role in whatever problem that you have. And yeah, the other person might really be the bigger problem, but we are all at least 1% part of the dynamic, okay? And just put a pin on that for a second and and I'll go a little deeper there. The second part is the E, which is the emotional story, the motivation, the needs, the underlying interests. That is where all of your solutions lie. Okay, so the why is what interferes with getting the solution. The E is where all the solutions reside. And the S, which is for shelving your most heated conversations, shelving, you can also call it pausing, you know, um, that is the activating agent. The shelve, the pause, that's what gives you the power to calm down your destructive behavioral tendencies, which we all have. And start really thinking about what's my motivation here? How would my life or this situation be different if I get the thing that I want, if I get the response that I want? And is there another way to get that? Because what happens oftentimes is we become hyper-focused on what we're seeking to get, that we get in our own way of attaining what we're trying to achieve. I mean, isn't that... Didn't you, I, like, you just summed up the interaction of the dynamic between a divorcing couple. Yes, yes. And so when I wrote um, The Secret to Getting Along and Why It's Easier Than You Think, I, I really, you know, I struggled a lot in the beginning around how to crystallize or look at what I do at work every single day in a way that can be replicated at home by by individuals. Now, I'm not suggesting that you don't need your therapist or your mediator or, you know, your, your preacher or your, you know, rabbi, whoever else might help you get through a difficult um, issue um, or whatever other spiritual leader. I don't mean to just, you know, say a priest, preacher, or rabbi, but um, you might have, but you can make choices that will deescalate. And when you de-escalate, you're more likely to arrive at a solution. Um, and, you know, we can really um, walk away from a lot of fights. And when you're walking away from a place of power instead of as a place of weakness, it has a qualitatively different impact on your whole central nervous system and on how you look at yourself and how you look at your relationship with the world. I mean, that's amazing because you think about, and we all have that one person. It could be an ex-spouse. It could be a boss. It could just be, it could be a a relative where they text you and you're immediately triggered 
and you have this nervous system response and your first thing you want to do is type in all caps and use the middle finger emoji and like respond. And like, we know that that's not going to be the most effective way. So, so let's pick up from there then. Let, what, what does someone do? So if they, they pull back mm-hmm. and they pause, then what? They still have to deal with this person. What's the best way for them to actually approach a situation where there's a lot of conflict? So the first thing to do is to really ask yourself what your goals are underneath your position, right? So you might have like to get someone to admit they're wrong. Well, then go a little deeper. Why? Why do you want what you want? Ask yourself that question and be brutally honest with yourself, right? And you're not doing this for them. You're doing this for you. Mm. Why do you want what you want? Is there another way to achieve that same feeling or that same outcome? Oftentimes there is another way. You know, a lot of times people will come in um, and they'll say, Gabrielle, you know, we read better apart. We really want to mediate with you. Um, but we both want the house. And so we're going to have to go to court. Okay, well, let, let, let's let's dig a little deeper here. And we come to learn that one person is afraid that the kids won't visit them if they move out. And the other person is worried that they're not going to be um, able to afford another house. Well, maybe if we just create a parenting plan, the person who's afraid that the kid won't visit them will start to have the confidence that, in fact, the kids will visit them and they'll enjoy being in a second home and that things can work out even if they step away from their desire to have the house. Sometimes both people equally want the house and somebody winds up paying the other person a bit more to, for the benefit of keeping the house. There's there's always another way to get the outcome that you need, even if you don't get everything you want. And the trick is to first figure out what you want. And then if you can I mean, what you need. First, figure out what you really need. You know what you want because what you our wants are just the things that are hanging out there, right? The the, the things that we're super focused on getting. Um, but what we need, we we want an apology. We need to feel respected. How do mm-hmm. we get that? Right. The next step is to figure out what the other person needs. We may not have that information accessible to us. But if we can tell ourselves the best story, the most positive story of why they need what they need, we're, we're the most likely to give them what they need. And when their needs are satisfied, they're much more likely to be open and available to satisfy your needs. And when everyone's needs are satisfied, you're much more likely to have some of your wants, your desires, mm-hmm satisfied. So that, that's really, but so you said the key word some, and so there has to be this expectation that you're not going to get all or everything that you want and that you have to let go and compromise a little bit. Is compromise part of the model of what you're talking about? So I really um, would shift your mindset around this and Look at it more from a place of, again, agency. Look at it a place from, what do you need here? Because when our needs are met, we feel satisfied. Those things that you want will start to melt away almost by magic 
when you get what you need. So, um, Renee, you're probably familiar with the orange allegory. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? I'll just summarize it here. So these a, a head chef and a pastry chef are working together for an important dinner that they're supposed to prepare. And there's only one orange in the basket where there are supposed to be three. And the head chef and the pastry chef each need a whole orange for their um, what, what they're preparing. And they're going back and forth and they're fighting over it. And the general manager is like, enough. You each get half an orange. They each get, they each get half the orange. And the meal turns out okay. There's a lot of leftovers left on the table. And they're both kind of frustrated. And after the meal, they're having a bottle of wine together. And the pastry chef bemoans, oh, I needed an entire orange zest in order to make my dessert. And the head chef says, oh, if only I'd had the whole, the juice of an entire orange, my chicken a l'orange would have turned out better. And, um, and then they look at each other and they realize, had they gotten a little bit deeper and expressed to each other why they needed the orange, they both could have had everything and the meal could have been just perfect. So it's just, that's a very simple emblematic story that is repeated in all of our lives all the time. And, um, and it can really, it can be game changing to, to slow the conversation down. I poured my heart, my soul, and even tears into writing a book that is a love letter to every woman I know. She Who Wins the Book is for every woman who is told to smile, to quiet down, and to shrink themselves into their smallest version. It's for every woman who's trying to figure out what's next. It's for every woman who thinks this is as good as it gets. She Who Wins is for the good girl within who is ready to become the fierce female fighting to get out. She Who Wins is now available for pre-order. Visit shewhowinsbook.com for exclusive free bonuses when you order now. We have to assume that the other person is going to be willing to slow it down too, because sometimes we just run into people who are so irrational and so unreasonable that there isn't that opportunity to have a rational conversation because the other person just spits fuel and flames right back at you. So what, what happens in that situation? Like at what point do you say, okay, there's nothing I can do to help this conflict or help this relationship. It's time to, to retreat or do something or deal with it in a different way. Okay. So, so again, you have power. You can take back your agency. I know Renee, you already know this. That's why you're smiling, right? So, (laughs) um, and so, and so there are some quick, tips I have on how you can shelve in a way that lets the other person know to not antagonize them, right? You can, number one, just step into the other room and do some deep breathing on your own, right? In in for a count of five, hold for a count of five, out for a count of five. Even if the other person is escalating, when they escalate, that is going to bring up your emotional charge because it's so annoying to be around someone who's so reactive. It's going to make you generally feel more reactive or maybe even retreat more and just not even be present, right? So breathing will help you to slow down. And also you taking that pause is going to make them take a pause because if you're not interacting with them, by definition, they're taking a break. A second thing which people really struggle with is learning to say no. 
And that, and that's all about setting a boundary. So when you're with somebody who is highly aggressive, if you're a people pleaser or just someone who doesn't like to make waves, you may acquiesce or you may be silent, which may be read as acquiescence. And if you do that, you have not effectively established a boundary and the other person is going to continuously walk all over. You're going to feel walked all over, even though they're going to feel like you're not really engaging. And really all that's happening is that their fears and anxiety are being prickled by your, your refusal from their perspective to interact, right? So rather than just stonewalling and rather than just saying no, you know, there are certain things you can say, like, let me take five minutes to get back to you. Give me until Friday to get back to you. Let's do this by writing. I will write you up to, this might sound crazy, but up to 750 words. You don't want to book back and forth. I'll write you, you know, an email that's, you know, no longer than a page and a half or two pages by Friday. And then you can reply to me. You don't need to go to court to do this. You can do this in a very simple, succinct way. Um, You can say, I need some time to cool off, even if you're perceiving that they need time to cool off, right? Give yourself a timeout to give them a timeout. The third thing that you can do, so we talked about breathing. We talked about saying no. The third thing that is really effective in slowing down a conversation with someone who just is escalating and escalating is to say, hey, I I think these things are getting out of control and creating what I call safe haven containers. So just say, we're starting to snowball here. Let's try to parse this out one issue at a time. And do you want to tell me what's the most important issue to you? Let them name it. If they won't name it, you can say, well, I hear you talking about, you know, the house, the kids, the, you know, whatever it is. Let's address first this. And if they say, no, I want to address that first, fine. So when you take Mm -hmm. things one at a time, each small issue is more manageable and tolerable. Now, okay, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, because usually to that point is usually it's not even that issue that is the the problem. It's usually something else. It's some, some triggered emotion that people use to fight over something that actually doesn't even matter to them. That's it's, just, right. it's for the win. That's right. And so it's, it's, so when I clerked for judge sunshine in New York in the early, the best day, name ever. I know. That's why I like to say it. It's so funny. It's amazing. Right. He was the, he's like the chief judge for like divorce cases, sunshine. So funny. So anyway, um, so I was, I was around 30 years old and when I first started to work for him. And what I figured out is that, so I would meet in the back room in in the inside chambers in the courthouse and it would be two lawyers and the two people getting divorced. And it was really high stress. There was, you know, I settled, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cases in three years there. Right. And, and some days there'd be like 20 or 30 cases. And I was like, oh my goodness. And what I learned pretty quickly was that when somebody's eyes filled with tears because they felt heard, even though I didn't have that language back then, I used to say, oh, you just have to break them and then it resolves. I know that sounds terrible, but like really it was the person felt heard, seen. None of the other stuff mattered, right? Like they'd be 
The reason they'd be seeing me is because they were literally in an, in an embroiled war that had escalated to the point where they were having court motions in front of a judge and they were sent to conference a case with me. And I would acknowledge the feelings that they were expressing, their pain that they were holding in. And a lot of these people were quite a bit older than I was at that time. Um, and so, you know, I was just very careful to listen really deeply to what their emotional experience was and meet them there. You feel like your life has been a lie. And then quickly validate to the other person, I'm not saying it's been a lie, but you feel like it's been a lie. I mean, that one was like unbelievable. A lot of people who, who find out that there is an extramarital affair have the feeling like everything that happened in the relationship was fake, that everything was a lie. And just having a third party say that in front of the person who was the, you know, liar allows the, um, takes some of the air out of the, out of the argument and allows everything to settle. And it's, it, it's like unbelievable. It's, it's so, um, I love that you said that because I think that put towards what always was the changing point in any mediation that I did. When you got to that point, the whole conversation shifted. Now people were able to come to the table and have conversations beyond just their anger. They were able to like, it almost let the, you know, let the, let the hot air out of the room. And it's incredible. So imagine, okay, so let's take that idea then. And, and how does that translate to let's pretend that, this is, you have an impossible boss, right? And this boss is a hothead and they are constantly sniping at you. How do you take that approach and use that in a setting where you get called into the office and they're like barking at you? Yeah. So again, you're going to take a step back and you're going to tell yourself a positive story about them, right? Maybe they don't feel like they're doing an adequate job. Maybe somebody's breathing down their neck. Mm -hmm. You know, what else is going on for them that is causing them stress that they're downloading on you? Regardless of if it's fair or not, you can't really address that with the boss. But what you can do is have compassion in your heart. You don't have to say, oh, I have compassion for you because this is going on. You don't have to call, don't call people out on their stuff. Like, spoiler, don't say these things. You know, do not try this at home. But um, but I once I just want I once went to the circus and the whole song was do not try this. At home. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just came from so, so um so tell yourself, okay, well they're acting like this because they're getting a lot of pressure because some other force is upon them. And you can just ask them what their most pressing need is, what they want from you. You know, how can you satisfy them? I can hear, I hear you're very stressed, always reflecting back what you hear. You know, I'm, I, I'm hearing like you're perceiving that I'm doing something causing stress or my failure to do something is causing stress. What can I do? And, and just, it doesn't take anything away from you to just say, I'm causing you stress. Even if you're not, even if it's not really your fault, like who cares? Like you're stressed because of me. You're not their therapist. You can't really dive 
into it with them about like what else is causing them stress, but you can take that step back and find out what they need from you in order to not be acting the way that they're acting toward you. Are there circumstances where it just, it's a lost cause and that it's yes. just, it's going to be a situation that there will never be a meeting of the minds. You'll never be able to diffuse or deescalate and you just take it for what it is and release. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, there are people who have high conflict, parents, children, spouses. Um, and in those circumstances, what you need to do is really have a strong boundary. So let's say it's someone that you don't want to cut out because they are so close to you, but um, you know they call you incessantly at work, right? It's a high conflict parent, say, and they call you constantly. So you might call them in the morning and say, hey, ma, I'm going to work now. Do you need anything from me that I can do before 9 a.m.? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, you don't need anything right now. I, I'm, I'm going to be in meetings all day. Um, but I'll check in with you at 5.30 if there's an emergency and set up an emergency sort of system with somebody else. But there's not really generally an emergency with somebody who's just so difficult. They'll put their attention to somebody else, whether it's actually putting stuff on somebody else or talking about you, it doesn't matter. You turn off your ring or you block the person for a number of hours so you can have some peace. And then you can circle back with them and check in because again, you want to de-escalate the situation you want to keep it calm. Like you could also be in a circumstance where, you know, I've heard stories where someone blocks you on social media, right? Like uh, a friend of a friend blocks you on social media and your friend knows why, right? And, um, and you can either choose to be angry at your friend for not telling you and sort of cut off that relationship also. Or you can decide this is really annoying me and I'm not really feeling supported, but we've been friends for 10 or 15 or 20 years. And um, even though I'm feeling upset and diminished right now in the way you're treating me, um, your friendship is worth more. You know, I have a whole section in The Secret to Getting Along about, you know, how important is your relationship? Every relationship is not the same le level of importance. If it's not a best friend, you know, put them in a different box. You, you don't need to, you don't need to have a, have it out with everybody on every single thing. Yeah. I've, I've realized, um, uh, you know, I, I was constantly, um, had certain friendships where it was, they always felt disappointing to me. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I came to that realization that maybe this is just what it is. It right. has reached sort of that's what this dynamic is. It will never be anything more. It will, I'm not, well, I don't want to let it go. Right. And it's just like this recognition of if it's in its place and that's right. what it is and that's okay. And now I don't attach anything to it. I don't attach expectation to it. Um, and it kind of changes everything. Yeah, I, I think something I've been very fortunate in is that I'm sort of like, a two, and maybe it's because of my, my mother always telling me, you can never get all your needs met from one person. I mean, I heard that so many times as a child, um, or maybe it's wiring, but I've sort of understood that a lot. And I've watched a lot of friends sort of cut people out or take things really seriously and personally. Um, because I, I think my mom, I think she maybe struggled with that. So she learned that. So she taught it to me young. That, that's probably what the rollout was of where I am today, writing these books. But um, yeah, it's really important 
I think for you to feel whole in your mind, in your body, in your in your soul, if you believe in a soul, is that um, is that you realize that people give you what they can when they can. And it doesn't mean that they're not your friend. And it doesn't mean that your relationship isn't real, even if they are disappointing to you in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, that's gold right there. So before I ask my final question of you, uh, tell us where we can find your book and how people can connect with you and learn more about what you're doing. And if someone out there needs a mediator, um, how they can find out that information as well. Yeah, thanks, Renee. So if you go to gabriellehartley.com, you can really find everything there. Um, I do offer flat rate mediation services um, and my books are um, Better Apart and The Secrets to Getting Along are both available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all booksellers, um, as well as if you look at the top, bar of the website. Everything is accessible right there at gabriellehartley.com. All right. So final question for you. What does winning mean to you? Winning means that I feel good. Winning means that I've had a successful experience, whether that means I tried my hardest, I had a good time, my friends or family feel supported, I feel supported. Winning means that I can go to sleep at night and I sleep the full eight hours. That's the real win. That's a major win. (laughs) I I know, right? But you know what I love about this question is no one actually says winning means earning an X amount of money or having the the dream job. Like it's always, it's always an inside job. Winning is always an inside job. You know, I have an uncle who, um, he's a very successful surface science physicist. And when I grew up, um, he'd always ask, he'd always say to all of us kids, you know, what is the footprint you want to leave on this earth? And a lot of people in my family had really high aspirations. And my aspiration was always, I want to be remembered as being a really fun, happy, loyal friend. I want to have relationships that are sustained throughout my life. And, um, I want to be healthy and I want to be happy and I want to create health and happiness for others around me. And so for me, creating health and happiness for myself and others around me, not necessarily in that order, but probably they have to be in that order. Um, that That's the win. Amazing. Gabrielle Hartley, always a pleasure. I love having you on here. Go pick up her book. It is so good. So full of chock full of information, practical information that you can apply to every relationship. And don't forget to give it a review on Amazon. Yes. You know, it's so important as an author, the reviews. It is because it's, you know, these days, everything's just algorithm based. Yeah. Thank you. That's a wrap. Please subscribe to the She Who Wins podcast. So you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops until next time. And remember, she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins.